Greetings, everyone, and welcome to 2021. This is Modern Gnostic episode number 21, the first episode of the new year, and we have something exciting for everybody today. We have my friend and fellow Gnostic podcaster Miguel Connor on for a wonderful discussion about Gnosticism as an antidote to the nihilism of the present time. We talk about conspiracy theory, we talk about the archons, and we talk about solutions to all this mess. If you haven't already seen it, there is a video component to this audio episode. And going forward, we will have videos at the Modern Gnostic YouTube channel. There's some old videos from there from about a year ago when I was just doing YouTube videos before I started doing the audio podcast. And going forward into 2021, I want to make video components to each audio episode. So you can either listen here or you can watch on YouTube. Uh, Either way, be sure to like, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Uh, But for now, kick back, get something nice to drink, and enjoy this episode with Miguel Connor as we seek the mysteries. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic. This is episode 21. And we are doing something new. We are venturing into the world of video as well as audio. So this will be the first episode of the podcast that you can listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also check us out on the YouTube channel. Uh, When I started doing Modern Gnostic, I started out doing YouTube videos. And then I switched to just doing audio. But lately, some of you have been finding me via the old videos which I thought was really cool. And somebody reached out to me and said that uh, they found the channel because Modern Gnostic got recommended to them after watching a Terrence McKenna video. So I thought that that was pretty cool and was like, hey, I got to start making videos. So I went to my, my friend Miguel, the master of all things Gnostic podcast and video and invited him to come on the show. And so he's our, our first guest. And Miguel, welcome to Modern Gnostic. Ah, well, honored to be here in this uh, video adventure. I don't know about master, master baiter, maybe digital master <laughs> baiter, or I'm not a jack of all trades. I'd like to think I'm a jack of all offs, a fool <laughs> for fate. But, <laughs> but again, in these absurd, absurd days, anything goes, right? That's right. That's right. And it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, one of the things, you know, it, we constantly hear people kind of decrying all the obvious problems that come with uh, social media, all the, the, the ways it filters us into our own little online ghettos and feeds us fear and anger. And, and all that definitely seems to be true. But one of the things that I'm just continually finding myself in gratitude uh, towards is living in a time when, um, you know, someone like me could find your podcast 10 years ago and start listening and, uh, you know, get set down on this, this path that I'm on. And then not only that, but because of the social media stuff, be able to get inspired by people like you and then eventually reach out to someone like you and start a friendship. And, and now here I am having you on my show. And that's really, you know, it's a really cool thing. It makes the world a a small place. And for, for people like us on these bizarre, um, little side spiritual paths, it makes it, uh, it makes it not so lonely and, and makes us be able to, to come together for our own little Gnostic insurgencies. Agreed. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that's what it was meant for, not to be the, uh, 
uh, a platform to broadcast our shadows and insecurities and all that, but a place to have conversations, to have meaningful conversations, especially with people you don't disagree with. I mean, obviously, I don't disagree 100% with anybody in the world, with you or anybody else, but I love having, connecting and having conversations over things that I have passion over spirituality, mysticism, uh, symbolism, synchromysticism. But uh, unfortunately, this is what you and I are doing is kind of turning into a dying breed because less and less people don't want to have conversations. Yeah, it's really a, it's a disturbing trend. And, and one of the things that I think has been really great about your show, and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Miguel's show is Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio, and he also has a, another project uh, that spun off of that called Finding Hermes. Um, and if you're interested in Miguel's work, you can find him via uh, the Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio and get, um, I think with Finding Hermes, you're doing like, um, what would you call it? Uh, coaching or, or uh, helping people find their way. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know if there's a word for it. Uh, yeah. Psychopompism. <laughs> Hero pompism. <laughs> Pompidus right. of gnosis. I don't know. Right. Well, something you and I talked about, uh, I don't know, it's maybe six or seven months ago and just saying that um, I think you and, and I definitely know for myself and for some other people that I know that it's, it seems that the times are pushing us forward um, to the way I like to think about it is it's kind of time for people who've been doing this for a long time and who've g gained some benefit from it and who've traveled down the path a little bit to start forging uh, new links in the chain. Um, I, I myself realized that it was, it was, you know, no longer the time for me to just be a consumer of spirituality, but to, you know, not that I'm some great holy guru on a mountain and I know that's not how you view yourself, but you know, uh, if you've been doing this for a while, you've definitely, you know, made some discoveries and done some things and it's time to start trying to help, help people out. Uh, and I think that's what inspired you with the, with the finding Hermes project. Is that right? I would say so. I think, uh, <laughs> and you and I have talked about it once the beginning of 2020 became 2020 pandemic, uh, the intensity of the political discourse, the uncertainty, everything that was happening, like many, I was swept away by some uh, visceral emotions. And uh, I was lucky that the training or what the wisdom that I had learned all these years kicked in. I'm very grateful. And obviously the solution was uh, look inward and attack the fear. Don't worry about what's going on, but attack those emotions that are ultimately me trying to control something that I cannot control and move into those more uh, eternal places within myself. And uh, one of the uh, pivots or insights was, was well, as uh, who was it? Hunter S. Thompson said, when the going gets tough, the weird turn pro. So I needed to be even weirder than I am. And I decided uh, I had sort of been vacillating with finding Hermes, but this one I decided it has to come true because this is a way of me to raise the game, the weird turn pro, to find a space where I could be useful to the world and ultimately to myself, to my own serenity. 
And uh, I created the podcast to offer more alternative choices on mental illness, addiction, alcoholism, and all that, as apparently in these uh, times, that's my dog for some reason, asking, <laughs> uh, uh, to, um, yeah, this kind of content would be more needed and useful, uh, especially with the rising, with uh, the lockdowns and the uncertainty, depression, alcoholism, abuse, all these things are skyrocketing as much as the, the media and many people don't want to admit it. It's becoming its own pandemic as we speak. And uh, I think that's what made me also upset about the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, we all have criticisms and we're all keyboard warriors and Monday day quarterbacks and amateur epidemiologists, you know, that's the internet <laughs> today, right? Everybody's uh, their own little demiurge full of uh, Old Testament wisdom and 613 right. mitzvahs on how to run the world. But if I had a criticism, I, as I was, uh, they're asking us so little and I almost thought it was, you know, it was perverse. Uh, basically, they were saying, well, all you need to do is just stay home, sit on your ass and watch Netflix. And I was thinking this kind of plays into the wrong hands of wickedness in high places. And this kind of sells short what the human spirit is and what it can do. For example, I thought of uh, Finding Hermes also became more embedded in the, uh, uh, the addiction scene, if you would, to uh, reach out to others, you know, the drill. Uh, but I had, for example, my cousin, who's a biochemist, he, uh, he, well, he wasn't laid off, but his laboratory got shut down. So he was in Manhattan. And while the virus was kicking ass in Manhattan or New York in April, he volunteered at a hospital. Uh, we have, uh, a fellow, um, uh, well, a fellow Gnostic, uh, Bishop Lainey Peterson, she decided she was going to go on a uh, pandemic or a COVID hotline here in Chicago because people were just confused and asking questions and work those phones to try to direct people. So I saw a lot of people raising their game, even if they were as confused or maybe afraid or like all of us, huge fear of the unknown there. And, uh, I felt that uh, all of us in this country or in this Western culture could have raised our game, but for some reason, the powers that be didn't want us to raise our game. They wanted to, again, to sit on your ass and watch Netflix and be on Twitter. They could have told us, we need your help to volunteer, or we need you to be outdoors and take get sunlight and exercise and to be the strongest version of it. It could have been a different... Uh, message out there and it was not and to me that's uh unfortunate and my conspiracy side would say on purpose and nefarious in the end and obviously we know who's making all the money during the pandemic and those are the people that want us sitting on our asses watching netflix yeah there's a lot there and it it's gonna jump into something that i i had I plan to ask you a little bit about how you got going with Aeon Byte, and maybe I will in a little while, but you bring something up that I just want to go ahead and jump into since since it, it organically came up. But the last couple of episodes you've done of Aeon Byte, you had Alex from Skeptico on, you had uh, Chris Knowles on fairly recently, and then you had, I haven't listened to the most recent episode, but with the guy on talking about angelic forces. Um, 
and I really enjoyed uh, the episode with Alex from Skeptico on the idea of evil. And this was something that you and I had talked about and something that um, we've been talking about here some at the local church and meditation group and then just amongst friends and, and things like that. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people in alternative spirituality uh, circles tend to, um, what would you call it, like uh, psychologize good and evil so much that, you know, if you asked them, you know, is there a devil or something like that, it would be turned into, you know, well, yeah, it's a part of my unconscious and, um, and, and there's, there's certain truth to that, but I think one of the biggest revelations I've been having over the last 10 years is the existence of, you know, what I call objective evil and, and also the, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's might as well just name it for what it is, but um, arconic forces in the world that seem to be on the move in a big way. Uh, and I wonder what, what, what you think and what your experience is about that when you talk about, you know, the powers um, want us to just kind of go home and watch, sit on our ass and watch Netflix and don't really encourage things that actually lead to true health and resiliency, but actually kind of encourage things that lead to the exact opposite. Um, when you talk about powers, when you say something like that, uh, you know, first thing that comes to my mind, I think of pharmaceutical companies, I think of state actors and, and things like that. But do you, what is your idea about powers behind those powers or, or principalities, uh, as, as Paul would say? Um, where do you stand on that from a Gnostic point of view or what's your experience of it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I have been an advocate for ontological evil. Doesn't mean that there's uh, devils trying to tear us apart. Uh, again, if you look at, it, let's say, the, the Gnostic, the secret book of John, one of their tricks is to put Adam and Eve in this false paradise and just tell them, chill out. And it's only until they eat the tree, but they want our... Uh, the Archon's game has always been to keep us in a state of ignorance by whatever means, to feed on us, to feed on our essence. Uh, you could call it our soul. You can call it like the mind in the matrix or they're taking our electricity or even you could call it just simple data mining. I mean, these uh, powers, you mentioned a few of the bad guys would love nothing for us to sit in front of a screen and just uh, data mine who we are so they can really unlock human behavior for control. And that's nothing to, that's not even conspiracy. I mean, I've been in marketing, the greatest, uh, the divine spark today is data. That's gold. It's more valuable than oil, more valuable than gold. It's uh, to be able to mine data into the human condition brings you well, from a marketer, it makes you a better marketer. From a politician, it makes you a better politician. And for those who have that information who want to take advantage of things, it makes them even better villains. So, um, but, and as I say, uh, as above, so below, the theory of correspondence. Uh, if there is uh, certain things happening on Earth, yeah, we, as esotericists, we know they're happening in higher planes. Uh, so there's therefore has to be evil or a nefarious intent, archonic intent in these higher worlds. And from a very simplistic Jungian take, everything casts a shadow. So if we are to believe that there is a goodness and a true consciousness, then obviously there has to be a mechanic dark force to this consciousness 
that is anti-life, uh, the the opposite of the true energetic uh, life of the the great life of the Mandeans. So I would say that uh, a lot of what we might see as evil or iniquity today is simply an extension of that evil or at least servitude of those powers and principalities, that wickedness in high places on a spiritual term. Again, anybody who's into the occult knows as above, so below. So therefore, I'm just being very logical that there is, if there is problems down here, it's just a, a reflection or a cause or a reaction to something up up above. Mm. And do you, so going, going in that direction, what do you see um, from, uh, particularly from the, from the Gnostic tradition, as you understand it and practice it, that that can be used um, to power against that, I suppose. Something that I've been really focusing on uh, really since the COVID stuff started was um, prayers and devotion uh, to the Archangel Michael and uh, using traditional prayers and then also kind of spontaneous, you know, just prayers from the heart and then um, kind of rewriting some of my own prayers, uh, but making this into a a daily practice uh, and trying to get in line with um, the armies of the good, so to speak, is kind of is how I think about it. Cause I generally look at things from a, a spiritual warrior paradigm. Um, but what is, what is, what kind of things do you do or do you think are efficacious uh, to battle those archonic forces or do you see it as a battle or? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, as somebody said well, very wisely, this is not a battle of good and evil. This is a battle of you and your false self. So uh, that's, I think, uh, that's where it starts. That's where the line is drawn because we are ultimately programmed. We are under some sort of cosmic house arrest. And who we are is as false as the reality outside of us, maybe even more false. Uh, yeah, I think, what's the quote? It's a battle between you and the lack of you. So uh, mm. it really starts with the Gnostic concept, and not even Gnostic, again, esoteric concept of know thyself. Who am I? Uh, knowing who you are brings all the answers to what you need to do. That's why I think uh, Gnosticism probably frustrates people because there is no diagram or ingredients list or, <clears throat> you know, book with rules and laws it really depends on the spiritual constitution of its individual excuse me that's why throughout history whether it's the the ancient classical gnostic sect the kabbalists the sufis you see a wide array of uh, practices and theologies you see uh, small groups instead of large groups. Even when the Manichaeans were spread out, there were still all these franchises that looked more like Buddhism the more you got into China and more like uh, Christianity the more you got into the Western Western Europe. So because uh, at the end of the day, what you need is far different than what I need. And whoever prescribes you a set of rules or practices, I would say is ultimately a false guru. And I know that's uh, that's saying a lot, that's pretty controversial, but 
again, when you look at history, the Gnostics were never wiped out because of any actions they did or, or any sort of revolutionary uh, movements they did. It was always their ideas why they got away. Their ideas were so dangerous. Their, their ideas were existentialist threats to society. I mean, whatever you're seeing right now about they're going to destroy our republic, that's how the church fathers and the Muslim caliphates and Buddhist kingdoms saw the Gnostics, like their ideas are going to destroy us, so we need to act with uh, complete uh, force towards this, these Gnostic groups and wipe them out. And there are, of course, their central message was that you needed to know who you are and become an individual. Once you can mine and mine your heart and your soul and find out who you are, then the answers will start coming out there. And it's one of the things nobody wants to do is know yourself because it's, uh, it's, it's brutal and it's humbling to find out that most of what I am is a construct, that I've been programmed, that I've been manipulated since the day I was born to be some sort of uh, obedient uh, android. That's... that's uh, quite a red pill to take i mean i even have this quote that i love from uh it's from the show uh, legion and i've said it on the podcast and it relates really really well to our days and it goes uh the end is here the beginning is here the end what it all means is not for us to know it is for history to decide all we can do is play the parts as written all we can do is know ourselves and that quote, I think it really uh, uh, pretty much nails it, <clears throat> how we should do, and especially in these uh, apocalyptical times when there's so much revelation coming and there's so much change and it seems an empire is starting to eclipse, is know ourselves. How do you know yourself? Well, that's where you have to go on the journey and test the waters and... Uh, like you said, be a warrior. Try this. Try that. What works for you? What works for Brian might not work for Miguel. What works for Miguel might work for one of the listeners of the show. And then throw everything—not just one thing, but many things—and throw everything into the everything in the kitchen sink, as April DeConnick uh, said about what the Gnostic practice was. Is just I'm going to throw all this shit together, and whatever helps me wake up. I'm going to adopt, I'm going to tweak, and uh, uh, I'm going to try to find a small group. And uh, as we see, these Gnostic groups would just come together and split off as different ones found different methods of Gnosis. As long as it's the central core of Gnosticism is self-knowledge and understanding that we are trapped in a false world by agents that don't have our best interests with us, for us. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's... Um... Uh, I feel like now more than ever, um, we're living in, or now more than ever in, in my lifetime, maybe, uh, we're living in these extremely Gnostic times. Uh, and the, the last point there that you're talking about, like you're, you're living, I love Philip K. Dick's expression of the black iron prison. Uh, we're living in the black iron prison and there are there are uh, there there are forces that are working towards the liberation of humanity and for freedom and gnosis and there are forces that are working towards um, enslavement and suffering and anxiety and it seems that this this uh, 
and coming out of many, many years as a Buddhist, one of the things that I kind of had an initial struggle with, with Gnosticism was this dualism in the sense of like a Zoroastrian dualism of like, you know, there's forces of light, there's forces of darkness. Um, and I really didn't want to look at that. And you talk about, you know, when you start to know yourself, it's, it's really not, I mean, sometimes it's this journey of beautiful unfolding, but it's usually a journey of um, <laughs> beautifully unfolding horror and, uh, uh, you know, shot through with light as well. But uh, really coming to terms with the fact that I think the Zoroastrians uh, got it really right, that that there is a kind of a cosmic battle of good and evil going on. Uh, when you mentioned that the Gnostics were never wiped out, you know, because they led a revolutionary army or, you know, an uprising to overthrow the state. Right. It was the ideas. Um, When you, when you recently had Chris Knowles on and he was talking about the, the endless American midnight book and I got it and started reading it. And I, I realized that there are so many things in there that I have avoided looking at, um, and I had the same experience. I watched uh, the documentary Vaxxed a couple of weeks ago about vaccines, which I had also avoided looking at because I did not want to be labeled as an anti-vaxxer. I uh, did not want to be labeled as a conspiracy theorist. Um, and it's and it's kind of like, you know, you, you peek back the curtain a little bit and it's like, holy shit, you know, what's what's back behind there in Chris's book or in the, the documentary Vaxxed is, is a, is a real Gnostic red pill. Um, but the culture right now does such a good job of making us afraid of these things. Um, I've really been thinking recently about how much the smear <clears throat> and the label of conspiracy theorist uh, works to shut people up. And now literally shutting people up, have you could, you know, lose your, lose your Twitter account or your, your Facebook or your, YouTube could get demonetized for, you know, peddling quote unquote dangerous conspiracy theories. Um, but I heard uh, Michael Tessarian, I think, talking about uh, conspiracy work is holy work, and that it's it's it, it made me think of it in the in the Gnostic sense that you know the Gnostics were kind of the maybe the original conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, attempting to kind of peer behind the curtain. Um, what do you think about that term conspiracy theorist? I've been trying to embrace it recently and just say, you know what, that's just how I'm going to start labeling myself. So no one can, can put the label on me in a, in a bad way, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. I haven't watched the movie Vaxxed. I don't have time uh, to watch much. Uh, obviously I've read Chris's book. Uh, the term uh, conspiracy theorist, although not created by, the CIA was weaponized by the CIA uh, because of the Kennedy assassination. And we know how is that that's turned out after all these years. Uh, Kennedy's death is obviously uh, wasn't by a single uh, lone gunman. It's looking more that this was a CIA hit. Uh, so, uh, but the term has been useful, but all these, uh, well, it's simple to say, as somebody said, a conspiracy is simply history plus time. In other words, the official narrative of history is never what we've been told. And it doesn't matter what it, it doesn't mean there's some grand, uh, archonic, uh, Lovecraftian lizard people behind everything in history. 
but it means that we've been fed. It's much more complicated, whether it's uh, something like uh, Abraham Lincoln. He was not the great angel that people said he was. He had some very dark ideas. It's not the founding fathers. It's not uh, why we why World War Two or World War One really started. I mean, it's very complex, and it's almost like more like a Game of Thrones plot or it's just a bunch of humans together with their own agendas. And then later on, they come up with some nice uh, uh, narrative that harmonizes everything so they can teach us that at school. So there is nothing wrong with looking deeper and deeper. It doesn't mean you're going to come to some juicy story, but you will find out more about why humanity operates and how the powerful move things to exploit the least powerful and how human beings are c complex in what they do and find uh, more affinity and admiration because all of us are complex. All of us are darkness and light. So all of us, as, as we go through history, are going to do some very good things and some very bad things. Um, again, it's, it's you, like you just said, the Gnostics were slandered because of their ideas, destroyed because of their ideas. So why can't uh, we just meet in the arena of ideas and let it all out and the good ideas I feel will eventually overcome the bad ideas uh, I mean this is again going back to Jung the only way to defeat the darkness is to bring it out into the light of consciousness and either have it evaporate or integrate within us and uh, I know people are using the term conspiracy theorists in a very snide way, but then it goes back to Jesus, uh, he who cast the first stone. Uh, as I was talking to somebody today, uh, somebody was saying, well, how can people be diluted to thinking that the government is run by pedophile reptilians? And I'm like, well, for 30 years, I completely believe the Catholic Church was right in everything. I bought into that. So... Right. I know I can be diluted into things. Who can't? I think all of us are under some sort of thrall and delusion or have been at our time. So judging others is not a good thing because unfortunately there are forces that throw a lot of propaganda, uh, misinformation at us. So it's easy to get lost into the labyrinth. Again, I go back to knowing who you are and what you are not. But I certainly would say that any sort of censorship or shutting down is uh, is going to make things worse in the long run. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, it's it's um it's been really weird uh, in the last week, particularly, uh, but really throughout the whole year, um, I feel like uh, <clears throat> uh, I feel like you're seeing a real. I mean, it's kind of just a mirror of everything that's happening in society like people are getting <laughs> divided into camps more and more but it's been kind of fascinating uh, particularly here where i am in Asheville, which has a pretty big spiritual scene and burning man scene and new age scene and all of that kind of stuff like i said we have a we even you know we have our small gnostic church here it's a it's a very spiritually open place uh, but the the community to the degree that it exists as a coherent whole kind of thing is really divided uh, right now around this conspiracy theory idea. And um, I think I even saw an article from psychology today talking about, you know, why are 
why are certain spiritual people so prone to believing conspiracy theories? And it was a real, you know, kind of condescending um, article explaining, you know, maybe like why your friends are going crazy because, you know, whatever the psychological reasons were for that. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I probably like you growing up reading Philip K. Dick and Robert Anton Wilson and all of that kind of stuff. It, it, um, I mean, it's almost like the, the pedophile lizard people seems a little bit more believable than, um, you know, than, than uh, our government cares about us. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. Um, it's like, yeah, that, that seems a, a harder conspiracy theory to swallow, quite frankly. Right. And what I always tell people is, uh, there's nothing wrong with going down a, a conspiracy rabbit hole, but A, you've got to keep that Gnostic skepticism or that Philip K. Dick skepticism. He always left the option that he was crazy or wrong. And he would right, say that. Right. I, was, I saw this vision, but I could be crazy. Keep that. And the Gnostics were very skeptics. They were questioning themselves in their texts. They were questioning other groups. They left that door open. Uh, so they could suspend their disbelief, but also keep up their skepticism. The other thing I say is uh, you also have to look at the internal patterns within you whenever you decide to choose a conspiracy. I mean, why do some people are still obsessed with the Kennedy assassination? I mean, they still have conferences every year where they meet. Right, right. What about UFOs? What drew you to UFOs? Or what drew you to Bigfoot? Or what drew you to... Uh, anything, David Icke, uh, what is going inside of you that it spoke to you? And if you inspect what's inside of you, you're going to find some insights about yourself, maybe your childhood, your destiny, who you are. And then it's a lot easier to navigate because the conspiracies are never really solved, are they? I mean, 20 years is going to be Kennedy conferences somewhere. <laughs> 50 years. People are going to be wondering about 9-11, even if there's some sort of uh, smoking gun. I mean, these are going to continue because that's how the human imagination works. We, we don't want our stories to end. We just don't. So it's important to find out what state of mind are you when you became interested, why it's happening, and how are you growing while you're exploring this. And don't get too lulled. Again, suspend your disbelief enjoy the story you're in, but always come back to what's important is finding out who you are and what it means to you. So far more important you find out who you are and what your uh, duty is in this world and any sort of conspiracy. Again, it, reality itself can only be a tool for your awakening and nothing more. It's not the end game. Yeah, yeah. When you were saying that, it makes me think, I, I always think of these things as having like multiple maps of how to to view the world you know and sometimes i put like lately i put my you know dualistic gnostic goggles on and i'm like oh yeah i'm in the black iron prison and the you know the archons <laughs> are going to come by and do cell count again in the next 10 minutes and then we'll awesome. go to lunch yeah. um and then other times you know you can investigate the map of everything's working out fine and there's you know there's there's multiple ways to to view reality. And I think, uh, uh, it's, you're right that it's, it's good not to get, you, know, you kind of wonder the, the, the QAnon people storming the Capitol have kind of, uh, you know, mistaken the map for the territory perhaps. Um, 
and it's it's important uh, to keep that there if, if if for your sanity and 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 to keep yourself out of a prison within a prison, <laughs> you know, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. But tell me a little bit about how you got started on all of this stuff. Like I I I don't think I've ever heard you, you know, recount your path to Gnosticism. I know you spent time as as I did as an addict and found recovery and all of that kind of stuff. But like when did you get on the spiritual trail of things? Uh, what did that look like? Well good question. I mean, I've always been a seeker. Even when I was Catholic, I was, uh, my mom was into the whole ecumenical thing. Uh, so there, I would always, I was always fascinated with mythology, history, comparative religion. So I was always absorbing other religions. And later on, as I was seeking better paths, I was even trying things. Yes, I was a Buddhist for about a year. I went to uh, Hindu ashrams, Muslim mosques, uh, evangelical churches. I was an atheist. I was just trying different things to find the path. But ultimately, uh, a Gnosticism, Gnosticism or the ancient Gnostics were the one who spoke to me the most because I think they really took a, a stand in history and said, we're not taking reality anymore. We're tired of the official narrative of the cosmos. Uh, we're tired of the lies that we are as people and as individuals, and we're going to break through through the other side, comparing it to uh, quoting the doors. Hey, Kev, wait, comparing it to the doors, or as the doors might say. So um, that was ultimately is what worked for me. And of course, that opened a lot of vistas because I was able to really absorb uh, the incredible uh, insights from Kabbalists and Sufis and the assassins. And of course it starts to overlap a lot with Buddhism and the Freemasons. So Gnosticism was always sort of the secret society under secret societies and the occultism under occultism, because it's just, it's so, uh, it's so edgy and so fringe that even uh, occultists uh, enjoy it, but also sort of reject it, just like the Orthodox mm. movement. So I think Gnosticism, again, really uh, took a stand and uh, was uncompromising, again, in the arena of ideas and mysticism, not in some sort of uh, um, cosplaying or actionable way. Uh, I love what Ursula Le Guin once wrote. She said, the only way to start a revolution is, is you have to be the revolution. Mm. You have to accept these ideas and let them swell within you and express those ideas with, you have to express those ideas to the world. Uh, people always wonder, well, what, am I, what should I do? What's my sacred purpose? How am I going to change this world or this country that's falling apart? And I always tell them, look, uh, there's a famous quote by Clark Emery, the awakening, awakening of an individual is a cosmic event. I always say the awakening of an individual is a cosmic rebellion. When you wake up, when you know yourself, others are going to notice. And your ideas and the way you act and how you approach the world is going to be a complete, uh, uh, again, revolution against the world, against your culture, against your family and everything. So don't worry, you don't have to storm the Capitol wearing horns and fur. You know, you will become the revolution because when you awaking, it pisses off the archons in both heaven and earth. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since you brought him up, I don't know. Have you have you listened to any interviews with that guy? They're calling him the Q Shaman. Oh yeah, yeah. He is. He's <laughs> way out there. It's at my. I mean, he's. I don't think he's play acting. He's definitely. Uh, like you're talking about, he is definitely uh, an occultist of the highest order. I heard he was like, he's in jail and he won't eat because they don't have organic food. So yeah like, yeah that's what i heard too he seems like straight out of the illuminatus trilogy like he could that's what be I was thinking. a robert like, anton wilson character yes exactly i was thinking of robert anton wilson and i thought of this guy so he's uh well he's uh an expression of this world so it's yeah it's the archetype that has come down and i would say the best thing like that quote uh analyze explore find out why he turned the way he is what he means to your life and why are these energies manifesting today simply shutting out or criticizing again people are afraid and they're very afraid and unfortunately as uh, as a therapist said when people can't control their emotions they try to control other people's behavior right. and when people are afraid they want certainty there's a quote by freud that says uh Human beings have a, <clears throat> excuse me, low threshold threshold for ambiguity. We will clutch at straws to avoid uncertainty, and that's what's that's been 2020. So that has caused a yes. lot of people to go in a state of panic, of, of major stress, and they become afraid. So they want to, or like the story I've yelled about, they want to organize the universe in simple subjects and packages, and have things just the way they were even though they will never return they can't handle again ambiguity so they simply do what we do when we're afraid we, we reduce the world to good and bad guys we say you're with me or against me and we buy into some formulaic party or religious system or click of friends or culture and then we try to shut it all out by any means possible which could mean censorship destroying friendships breaking away with our family anything like that buying into you know we want we'll do anything for security and that's a mistake because that's not reality the true reality the the garden of eden trap that the demiurge throws adam and eve that's certainty that's sitting on your couch watching netflix and there's right. two parties and the churches are fine and our government's fine but the real reality the beautiful reality is outside of that and as uh mercia Eliade said there's the the there's the awe of the universe and then there's a the horror of the universe joseph campbell talks about it and i think the gnostic way the dualistic way uh is the way people always made the mistake that the Gnostics were like Zoroastrians, like, well, there's evil, light, and darkness. No, the Gnostic way is you hold both before you, and ultimately you're going to integrate them. You're going to bring them together and rise to uh, higher places that go beyond light and darkness, beyond good and evil. That's, uh, that's I think, a mistake people make about the Gnostics. You're supposed to hold both together and see the universe for what it is for all its horror and beauty at the same time and same with humans for all our evil and good that we are accept them love them mm, that's really this is a an interesting point this is something that um 
my fiance and I go back and forth about a lot. We were watching uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I had never seen until like three months ago. And, uh, you know, when the, as soon as the Gollum character, uh, you know, is on the screen and doing things and in my mind, and I'm almost like yelling at the TV, I'm like, Sam should kill him now, <laughs> you know, like kill him and get it over with. And, uh, you know, but the, the, but my fiance kept telling me like, no, like he, exactly what you're saying. He needs to be integrated. He's wounded. He needs to be right. made whole. He needs to be treated with love. Um, and I, you know, I, I get that. I do. And, and, and it, especially in the, in the movies, like Gollum was, uh, to me, he was almost like the, the linchpin character. And particularly as someone who has been an addict, I was like, that's heroin addiction, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, you're well uh, said. But I also, you know, have uh, like, like the, you know, pedophile reptilians. Like, I don't know that that gets integrated, right? Like, I, I, I think there's a, a level at which the, you know, the line that divides good and evil runs through me, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn says, runs through my heart for sure. Um, but I guess I, I struggle. I think one of the things I really struggle with is when I see it externally and then how to how to deal with it there because i definitely think there is um perhaps evil that needs to be combated in you know however that however that shows up and i wonder if something like uh arconic forces get reintegrated in the end or do they get destroyed i really don't know it's somewhere something that i i hold in the in the level of doubt i'm really not quite sure um but it's yeah, a really interesting question. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an interesting question. I don't know if uh, in our present state we'll find out until the next dimension. Because after all, I always uh, you read Jung towards the end of his life, and I've spoken about this on the show. He had a dialogue with uh, Bill W. Because Bill W. wrote him some letters and was very grateful and said, indirectly through some patience of Jung, he gave Bill W. the ideas of the second and third step about the spiritual solution, a God of your understanding, you know, the God image of your understanding. And uh, Bill W is asking questions and Jung is like, uh, there is a good possibility. There is a dark archetype. There is a, a true uh, manifestation or idea of pure darkness, destruction. And he said, this one, you cannot integrate. It's, this is not shadow. Mm -hmm. This is not a warped soul or anything like that, like maybe the Archons are. This is something that has to be completely avoided. It cannot be defeated. Uh, you simply have to avoid it. So avoid it. that's sort of a, another wrinkle to the whole battle of good and evil, yeah. but that's fine. I mean, uh, things aren't supposed to get better the more awakened you are. They get more complicated and harder. So uh, that's certainly one thing to... Uh, to consider. I mean, and it could be just a great lesson. Some people just need to avoid negativity. They need right. to avoid any darkness. They need to uh, slowly be led to the hand to, uh, to confront these things because they're not easy and uh, they, they could easily crack. So uh, the many lessons there. And uh, again, as more is downloaded from the pleroma, the more information is. And again, the more complicated it is, there's a, uh, we talk about the Gnostics had the two God theory and there's uh, the Demiurge, the God above God, but 
Then there's one later text, Marcenis, which talks about the God above God above God. I'm like, come on. Now you got to add another dude. Now I got to, that's another level of reality and consciousness I got to aspire to. It's like, the more your eyes open, the longer the journey is. And well, that's fine. The hero's journey is not supposed to be easy. Yeah, this is one of the, the, uh, I guess the the I don't know. It almost sounds arrogant to say the culmination of my my Buddhist practice, but I I got to the point where I was like, there's not enlightenment's not this end state where it's like, okay, you've got it, you're you're the Buddha now. Um, I feel like there's like you're saying, there's always that God above God above God. There's always it, it, it's it's endlessly open, which is sometimes is is a fascinating and beautiful feeling. And sometimes I know, at least for me, it can be a frustrating feeling. And when you were talking about, um, you know, in hard times, people start looking for um, orthodoxy and, and stable given answers. And uh, I have a friend here in town who's a, a Greek Orthodox Christian He's studying to be a monastic and um uh you know sometimes it's very i feel almost envious of his orthodoxy like mm-hmm. there's you know there's there's answers for everything right there's a tradition for everything there's there's guidelines for everything um, but i also know i've been in those kinds of things before and i i it, it doesn't work for me i i chafe against the you know the restrictions um but I think it's one of the things that can make Gnosticism uh, both a beautiful and a difficult path uh, because there aren't any, you know, there aren't any easy answers. There's more like a trail of breadcrumbs that you just follow off into the darkness of the forest. Um, yeah, it asks you to speculate like those uh, Hellenistic traditions. You're always being yeah. in dialogue with yourself, with others with the gods always be exploring the mysteries out there and ultimately the answers cannot be expressed through the rational brain perhaps through art perhaps through your kind actions but uh it really is something that's more of an experience that can never be expressed and the logical mind can never decipher and you want that to continue that experience and you would like others to have that experience that ecstatic experience that gnosis brings but uh Unfortunately, we are limited by our senses and uh, and by whatever, as I say, the meat stack. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, when you talk about sometimes wanting to give that to others, um, what do you, somebody uh, posed this to me the other day? They asked me, you know, what do Gnostics think about evangelism? And you know, my first thought was like, well we don't evangelize. But then another part of me was like, that's really not true either. Um, I definitely feel some sense of evangelical mission. Um, But what role do you think or responsibility do we have in attempting to, you know, red pill others? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I think traditionally, the, I think the Manichaeans evangelized, but uh, we don't have any record, or, again, any manuals how they did it. Uh, but I think somebody, you're in recovery. What's the old saying? Uh, it's not sobriety unless you can give it away. 
and obviously they tell they don't give you a map they say go help an alcoholic and right, you right. have to like stumble through how to help and your sponsor will give you some vague advice and i did it this way but ultimately you don't know what you're doing you're just like putting yourself out to through somebody who needs help and you hope that your higher power puts you in a situation where you can help somebody from not drinking or picking up the syringe or whatever i think no i always say it's not gnosis unless you give it away there's no certain way to do it. There's uh, no guide. You're just putting yourself in a position to help somebody wake up if they want to wake up. And this position could be, like you said, you could be doing your church, and if people show up, they show up when they're ready. Uh, Philip K. Dick would like to write novels, and nobody read, not many people read his novels until after he died. Same with William, same with William Blake. So you want to express your gnosis to the world without really uh, more in a, in a way that you're just being available to those who want to wake up. And it's really as simple as that. What's the old saying? When the, when the pupil is ready, the master will appear. I certainly believe in that sort of law of attraction. But uh, again, it can't be forced. It can't be uh, mechanical. It can't be formulaic. It really comes from the spirit and from a sort of love to help others. There's a, a saying, I think you saw that, that I put up on the um, Inner Sanctum group from the Gospel of Philip. And it goes, uh, now whoever has become free through Gnosis is a slave on account of love towards those who have not yet taken up freedom of Gnosis. Mm. And that's a powerful one. It's a complete bodhisattva thing, but... Yeah. It's also mean that you truly, when you awaken, you really do fall in love for the first time with the world and humanity with complete compassion, complete openness, and completely unconditional. You're like, yes, I see the divinity everywhere. I see the darkness shining in, the, in this mere being universe, and I want to help, but I'm just going to calmly wait until I can help others. And I'm going to love them so hard until they come back to the source, just as the source has been so patient with me through all my lifetimes. Yeah, and it seems interesting to me that um, uh, part of my prayer practice the last couple of years is, has just been, um, uh, you know, a willingness to be open to being of service, being of service to God, like me, you know, make me, let me be your servant. Let me be a servant in the world and not, you know, going out and <laughs> I don't know, tapping somebody's shoulder and ask them if they've heard the good news of the inner Christ or something. Although <laughs> have you I heard about say, our Lord and savior, Sophia. <laughs> yeah, I have this, I've had this vision in my head for years that I, I want, uh, cause like living here in the South and in the, the Appalachians, you know, we've got this, really cool tradition of of like um the holy roller kind of charismatic pentecostal right. snake handling churches and stuff and i i really love the music and i really love some of the tempo of the preaching and so one of the things i i always think about is i want to have like a gnostic tent revival uh style church you know because most gnostic churches like the one that we have here we practice uh Gnostic Catholicism. So we have mass and we wear robes and we have incense and that kind of seems to be what everybody does. But I would, this part of me is also wants to be jumping around on the stage with a, with a suit on, you know, with the gospel of truth in my hand and, 
you know, calling people down to the altar. Well, but... if anybody should be handling snakes, it would be the Gnostics because they were snake <laughs> worshippers. <laughs> yeah, least. yeah, yeah. So if anybody should have them in their yeah. tent. Yeah, but I think the being open uh, to being of service, and it's, it, it struck me too with what you said about, you know, the first thing you need to do is help another addict. And I definitely feel like I've helped helped addicts, uh, but it seems that God just throws them into my life as well. You know, uh, it just kind of the opportunity to, to be of help to people in that way. Um, and perhaps I'm sure you help them differently too. each time. You don't have a Absolutely. Like, this guy maybe needs to, let's have a coffee and talk. Maybe this guy needs a copy of the big book and to stay at my house. You know, there's Right. There's no set way. It's sort of about as a spirit guides you. I feel that's how Gnosis is too. Yeah. So was this a, a was this a motivation in starting Aeon Byte um, to attempt to get the message out there? Or like what, what motivated yeah, yeah. you to start the podcast? Yeah, because I was, okay, it's fine if I read a book. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to read, uh, well, at the time Elaine Pagels and I'll say, I don't really like that book anymore, but I'd be like, my God okay, it's great. I read it. But what about the rest of the world? Because most people don't know about Gnosticism. It was, it's, a, it still is very obscure. So I said, well, why don't I just talk to these people, record it and share it with the world, at least catalog it. I mean, it was never, I never, there were back in 2007. It's not like podcasting really existed, but you could at least record them, put them on your site, broadcast them here and there. And that was it. I wanted to share with the world what I found interesting and at the same time, learn about it as I, as I went. And did you just start reaching out to like, you would read somebody's book and be like, Oh, I really like yeah, this. Yeah. Let me see if I write to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, I was very, uh, very, uh, humble that so many of the Nag Hammadi scholars, individuals like Bart Ehrman, Ling Pagels, Karen King, and so many others were like, yeah, sure. They, they were glad to talk about this stuff. And, and even back then, it was, uh, as I said, most people didn't know about Gnosticism, but the whole Da Vinci Code, Mary Magdalene, Knights mm -hmm. Templar was hot. So they, they, were, they were in demand and they still gave me a chance. So I was very humbled and I really appreciated it. And along, so has, how, so you found out about, you were, you were raised Catholic but you always kind of had an interest in, in the mythos and, and peering behind the curtain. And how did you hear about Gnosticism? Man, uh, you remember? It was probably in, God, I think my freshman year in college at a Catholic university. I was taking an Old Testament class and the priest sat down and stopped and started talking about the Gnostics for five minutes. Very bizarre. He said these, they were controversial. They believed in reincarnation. And I always felt it was out of place because it was an Old Testament class. And then that priest, I also took a class with him. And I'm, what, 18-year-old? And, and it was a New Testament class. And he's like, well, the reason uh, Mary got impregnated by God is because uh, it was fashionable in those days for gods to have children with a mortal woman and then the son would be a and I was like I fell out of I was like this is a priest now the school I went to there was uh the Basilian order they're actually very uh very progressive if you would they have no problem with very innovative cutting edge the 
for us it's common these days brian but back then they were like controversial yeah. they would get in hot water with the church so they this priest deconstructed the new testament in ways that blew me away later years later would lead when i read a cherry s it was like oh this was teaching me at catholic school but uh, i always thought why did he bring up the gnostics maybe i needed to be there maybe it was sort of a hint it was a very strange, but that was the first time, and then it would be years later with the Da Vinci Code and the Cathars that I heard it again, and then later I picked up the Gnostic Gospels study, but it wasn't until, God, maybe five, 2006 that I said, oh my God, that it really swelled up within me, and I said, I'm going to really delve deeply into the Nag Hammadi Library and all that. Did you, along the way, did you get involved in gnostic groups or churches or what yeah did you, what i went to uh, there was a church here villa park underneath the freemason hall and the church was associated with uh stefan heller's church the gnostic iglesia so i went there for a while i also, there was some court uh, there was also some services with the uh, agc the apostolic johannite church so i did go to uh, uh gnostic service there were some in the theosophical society so i did delve into the uh the actual praxis if you would but i found mm -hmm. the praxis i could get also going to mass i still always enjoyed going to mass uh yeah very similar but it taught me how to uh treat it as an alchemical experiment uh, a metaphorical journey uh, of change and see things more symbolically and uh, i gained a lot more insight and better experiences doing church and over your years of of doing this at the beginning i was talking about how i feel like we're we're living in some very gnostic times and i always catch myself when i say things like this and uh you know with all the things that have been going on lately politically I, you hear a lot of people saying like you were saying earlier like we're almost at the end of our republic and you know in on in one hand a lot of these things feel very real and i think i think you can point two real reasons that they're true and that the other side of things is i'm conscious of the fact that probably everybody always feels like they're living in very special times um but over your years of of doing the gnostic work uh do you feel like more people are starting to find or search out this uh kind of spirituality it, it feels like to me over the last few years that people are attempting to make some kind of sense of christianity like you know they left it when they were younger um but something seems to be bringing people back and that's kind of what got me interested in gnosticism was wrestling with trying to come to terms with christianity um and it feels like there's something going on uh in that regard and i'm curious what your experience of that or if you have any thoughts about that or yeah, I would say so. I mean, remember what did Philip K. Dick? He didn't say the black iron. He didn't just say the black iron prison, but he said the empire never ended. There's a, right. there's an oppressive soul, world soul, an evil world soul, like the middle Platonist said, and it just switches clothing. Whether it's uh, the Roman, the Byzantine, the Ottoman Turk, you uh, the British Empire, and it just these same things. Uh, what did Mark Twain? History doesn't repeat, but it certainly rhymes. <laughs> so there are things moving around. And if you pick up a history book, you'll be like, hmm, I think people can relate and pass what I'm going through today. I mean, this is obviously 
uh, I don't know if unique, but it's certainly an apocalypse. It seems some uh, there is some spiritual awakening going on, and it seems uh, people are certainly searching. I mean, we talk about QAnon and others, but I realize it's a sort of a new form of Christianity where they're very open to comparative mythology. They're open to ufology. Uh, they're open to mysticism and and uh, synchro mysticism. In other words, Gnosticism. You know, right, was, right, right. I mean, if you look at the ancient Gnostics, as Chris Knoll said, is like Christians, ufology, Gnosticism. <laughs> By ufology, I mean <laughs> right. or controlling thing for better or worse. And our job is to go out into go beyond the stars to find our home. So I'm seeing this uh, definitely a more openness and uh, probably a lot of it has to do with the old ways uh, are failing and uh, there's a time of tension. People are just searching for new alternative or just to innovate and tweak their spirituality more. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, one of the things that I keep thinking about, I mentioned my Orthodox friend and, you know, we were talking one time and he was kind of bemoaning the fact that, you know, the Catholics, the Western Catholics broke off from the, you know, the right kind of original way that Christians did things. And, you know, it occurred to me, it's like, well, you guys did that too. Like the original way that Christian <laughs> did these things was not codified, right? It was this, what you're saying. It was, um, uh, I can never remember who it is. It's one of the Roman historians is like bemoaning the condition of Egypt. And he's like, you know, when the Christian priests come here, they're worshiping at the temple of Apollo and the Apollonian priests are worshiping at the, the Christian temple. And it's like, that's what I think the early Christianity was like. It was syncretic. It was, um, um, viewing things in a, in a non-orthodox, non-solidified way. And I, I kind of feel like the modern push towards Gnosticism is actually, um, a return to uh, the perennial tradition um, that Manly P. Hall talked about so much uh, that, that, you know, river that's flowing under, under all of it, which I think is, is um, I've been reading a lot of uh, traditionalist stuff lately and trying to get an understanding of that. And I think that, that um, it's curious because a lot of those guys went and became like Orthodox Christians or Muslims or something, but the, the, there seems to be a layer that's underlying that as well um, that could be, I think, accurately characterized as Gnostic, whether it's showing up as Sufis or Mandeans or Valentinians or, you know, whatever. Um, but it definitely seems like, it definitely seems like we're living in the right time for, for people that are doing the work that we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Still, yeah, look inward. History is going to do what history's history's going to history. History's going to history. <laughs> Government's going to government. Uh, churches are going to church. So it's up to us to look inward and stop projecting our shadow, our fears, our expectations out into the canvas of reality. Other human beings, our governments. Uh, it's up to us to become the revolution, as I keep saying. Right on. So just to wrap it up, Miguel, will you tell uh, everybody who's listening a little bit about finding Hermes and how they can, what they could get from, uh, from that, if they'd like to learn more about getting some help from you on this path or seeing what you have to offer and 
uh, maybe just explain to the viewers and listeners a little bit about that project and and how they could how they could contact you for that yeah it's uh obviously my home page is the god above god.com uh people can type in aum by gnostic radio or finding hermes and there you'll find all the the podcast the resources book how to contact me social social media and a lot of ways there's links if you want the introduction articles or videos to gnosticism uh send me a message if you need anything and if you uh you also find where to find all the Finding Hermes uh, podcast. It's on video too, where there are a, a lot of alternative ways to deal with depression, addiction, uh, mental breakdowns, anything negative. And that's the whole point. There's, there's always there something, I think, that will help some individual at some point uh, find some relief, uh, find, a, find a way to go inward and a way to get out. Uh, of the situation uh, what's that famous line by um peter gabriel when he was in genesis the carpet crawlers you gotta get in to get out uh, yeah that's, yeah uh, that's more it's truer than ever so yeah finding hermes is there i'm going to continue doing them if somebody needs help uh, you're struggling with something just shoot me a message there's a contact form there i will try to again see what solutions the spirit might guide me because again I'm no guru, but I have been I have been in hell, uh, so I know what it is to be at the bottom of the hole, the bottom of the pit. And uh, very great, I'm very grateful there were others and other spiritual forces that helped me climb out where I can be in a position to help others. And hopefully, there's although it could happen, I could easily fall back right into the hole, and I'll be asking for help too. I mean, that's one of the the things about being a grown-up is I learned to ask for help, and it's not easy. I hate asking for help, but right. it really, I've learned that that's the most adult, mature, strong thing I can do in this world is ask for help, because I have self-knowledge that I am a human being. By definition, I need help, like all the time. Yeah, that's a really good, a really good message, and I would just encourage people to get in contact with Miguel. I did it couple of years ago he's been a great friend and, and helped to me uh, check out his podcast and exactly like he's saying like we're living in weird times we're living in stressful times uh, they're turning up the volume to 11 on the stress and fear all the time so if you are feeling that and feeling alone and feeling like you don't know what's going on or how to make heads or tails of it that's a totally rational response to all the crazy shit that's going on and it might be the beginning of the gnostic urge that uh leads to you um, finding out who and what you are why you're here where you came from and that's the knowledge that leads to the the freedom of gnosis so don't sit there and stew in it uh reach out to the to the other prisoners who are also trying to make the great jailbreak from the black iron prison yeah, that's why we came to this world to find out who we are, what our purpose is, and you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta get in to get out. I'll end with that. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Miguel. It's always great to talk to you. I really appreciate your friendship and brotherhood, and um, uh, look forward to having more conversations in the future. Oh, enjoyed it too, and yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Again, it's not gnosis unless we give it away. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Modern Gnostic. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. If you found it useful and helpful, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you are listening or watching. Uh, If you didn't catch it at the beginning of the show, we have a YouTube channel at Modern Gnostic on YouTube. There's some old videos on there, and we will be posting new videos every time a podcast is released. So be sure to subscribe, uh, hit the alert button so you know when new episodes come out, and do us a favor and share the episodes with your friends, family, your community, anyone who you think will benefit. And if you enjoyed and liked what Miguel had to say, I highly recommend that you check out his podcast, Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio. He also does videos for those. You can find him on YouTube. And reach out to Miguel if you're interested in learning more about what he's doing and check out his Finding Hermes podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And stay tuned because there's a lot of exciting things happening in 2021. And Modern Gnostic is going to be right there with you surfing the waves of weirdness in the midst of the Kali Yuga. So until next time, Everybody, seek the mysteries.